Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Our healthcare system handles our medical needs on a regular basis. We almost take it for granted. But what if there were a major disaster? What if the economy went to hell in a handbasket? What if our healthcare system collapsed completely? Would you be prepared to take care of your healthcare needs? Is it possible to be prepared? Well, our guest today thinks so. We welcome to our show Dr. Cynthia Kelker. Dr. Kelker, thank you so much for being on the program again. I'm excited to have you because I hear you have a new book out entitled Armageddon Medicine, How to Be Your Own Doctor in 2012 and Beyond. So, I mean, I went to medical school for a long time. Can you really tell people how to be their own doctor? Well, not for every single thing. I'm not telling people how to do brain surgery. But I'm a family doctor, and I tell people how to do many of the things that family doctors do and other primary care doctors, uh, things they might not think they could do, but they could do. I would think you probably could replace me. I'm a dermatologist, so <laughs> you're covering things to take care of their skin diseases? Uh, you know, I have a, actually I have a whole chapter on rashes that uh, try to make it decipherable for people because it can be confusing and, you know, it can't hit every rash in there, but um, the common things, things that I see. Sure. So what, what, um, you must live in a really dark, depressed place. What, I mean, <laughs> what, what inspired you to write on Armageddon medicine? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting how I got to that. Uh, as you remember, the last time we talked, I had had a new book out called 101 Ways to Save Money on Healthcare. And my editor uh, edited another book called How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It. Mm-hmm. And she put me together with She put two that, and two together. <laughs> that, right. And uh, so I started writing some, some health articles for them. And uh, really interesting to me how many people are interested in this topic. And the, the flavor, the tenor of the whole country, well, not the whole country, but a lot of people in the country seem to be really worried about what is going to be happening. Um, And this is not to say I'm a doomsday doctor, because I don't really think that I am, but, uh, you know, there is a new television show now called Doomsday Preppers, and it's just really kind of in the air that people are worried about the grid being down, nuclear war, economic collapse, disease, natural disaster, earthquakes, you, you name it. Um, well, that's what makes the news, and you know the ninety-nine point nine percent of stuff that's just every day 
doesn't make the news, so you never hear about it. So it's easy to get, uh, it's easy to get uh, a little paranoid, I think, sometimes <laughs> if you stay informed. Well, that's, that's true. And, and so, as it turns out, this new book really has two audiences. One, maybe three audiences. One is the people who are really worried about this stuff and would like to know how to be their own doctor. But the other more general audience would be uh, people who just would like to know that anyway. Uh, maybe people who aren't insured. And that's not to say they should be you know, taking care of themselves in every way, but there's so many things people visit emergency rooms for that they don't need to or that they see a primary care doctor for that they don't need to. Um, and uh, actually, in, in the book, I go to some, I take some care to tell people, you know, this is kind of reasonable to do, this is not so reasonable to do. Like, if there's no doctor around, you can do this, but if there's a doctor around, you should go see a doctor. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to need a copy of the book for home because, um, you know, I'm a dermatologist, which means, you know, I know nothing about 99% of the rest of medicine. My wife's <laughs> constantly asking me, you know, things outside my area of expertise. Yeah, and I, I actually it'd be interesting to have you uh, look at the chapter on rashes and give me some feedback on that. Um, yes, well, you know, even my, the, what I do is kind of work being at the university and the I think that as a family physician, you probably know what the more common rashes are than I, than I am. And, you know, if they get past you to me, it's probably because there's something weird and odd about them and not the usual thing. Right. And so in that department, I, I you know, really a lot of what a family care physician does in the realm of dermatology, if a patient just understood a little bit more, they could take care of themselves. Um, well, I have had on this program... Um, um, people associated with the Red Cross a number of times. I think they're involved in disaster preparedness to a degree. Um, maybe the government does something, although I'm not sure I'd want to count on them to take care of everything. What, are you saying people should prepare themselves? Well, again, it depends very much what you think is going to happen in this country. If everything is going to go on la-di-da the way it is now, uh, doesn't really make much difference. But the people who are concerned about that, let me just put it this way, people who are buying gold, you know, yes. they're concerned about if this country. If you're uh, buying gold, you should be buying penicillin too. <laughs> I do say some of that. Um, well, uh, uh, one of the things we talked about was a grid-down situation. And you could say, like, what if Hurricane Katrina struck the whole country? Sure. Well, you know, in Hurricane Katrina, the rest of the country was okay. So there was a lot of backup. And if they needed extra emergency workers, they could come from Ohio, where I am. Um, or if you needed extra doctors, they could come from here. But if, say, a larger part of the country were affected, that would be a problem. And if there was no communication, let's just say the grid was down for a week and there's no electricity for a week. Well, I could do okay here in the Midwest, and I, I'm kind of low-tech anyway. Um, but I don't know, man, if that Manhattan could do okay for a week. Uh, I don't know if that larger city could. And uh, when you think about, I, I looked some of this stuff up because I want to make sure what I was saying was correct. But um, say in New Orleans, when the it really wasn't the hurricane so much as the flooding afterwards, but uh, flooded out, the doctors are closed, they're gone, the pharmacies are closed. If if you can't get your medicine, say you're diabetic, 
then what do you do? Yeah. Let's it, just say I, you were running out and you needed a refill tomorrow and you couldn't get it because the pharmacies are closed and then the streets are flooded or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, I'm sitting here with my uh, generic uh, Zocor, my Simvastatin pills, and I'm thinking, you know, if there were a flood and I didn't have any of these available to me, I'd be totally okay. I don't need these, you know. And, but there that, are probably right. a number of insul- a number of medicines. You mentioned insulin, where somebody might desperately need to have their medicine available. Right, and well, I spend some time talking about insulin in the book because uh, say you need more insulin to keep on hand, which I think is entirely reasonable. Um, if you're depending on your insurance to pay for it, well, they'll only pay for a month to maybe three months ahead of time. So that's a problem, except insulin's not that expensive, so you could just buy it yourself and ask your doctor to prescribe you some more so that you have a backup supply, which they might do, but which they might not do. And in a case like that, you might even want to just get some of the over-the-counter insulin, which you can buy, the older insulins you can buy over-the-counter, as a backup plan, because at least in some cases, some insulin of any kind is better than none. Now, yeah. I assume, I could be wrong, that you'd want to keep your insulin refrigerated, especially if you were living in New Orleans or somewhere down here in the south where things get hot. So in addition to keeping that medicine on hand, I guess uh, you're going to have to get the other book to know what kind of generator (laughs) to buy and an oil tank and uh, uh, a moderately long-term fuel supply to go with it. Yeah, well... And that's true in keeping the insulin uh, refrigerated. It's necessary except that, uh, you know, for an open bottle, a bottle that you're using now, it's not going to go bad that quickly. Oh, very uh, good. And you could also just get a cooler and put it in there. So you don't necessarily have to have a generator. Um, but so insulin is one thing. Another one would be, say, an albuterol inhaler, an asthma inhaler. I was just kind of posing this question to my nephew who has bad asthma, and just ask him, well, what would you do if you have an asthma and you couldn't get an inhaler? And his answer was he would go rob the pharmacy. I mean, <laughs> if it's a matter of life and death, well, I mean, that's not really a doubt on you, unreasonable. Mm. But uh, So stock up before the looting starts. <laughs> and, the, and the pharmacies, I used to think, I, I educated myself a lot reading this book. I used to think that the pharmacies had more medicine on hand than they do. Uh, they really don't. They only have a couple days' worth. They get resupplied every day. So they they don't have uh, enough to supply a community with medicine. And then uh, uh, I was also looking into where our medicines come from, and you probably know this, how, how many of them come from overseas, uh, especially the cheap ones from India and China and some other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the transportation or communication is disrupted, then, well, then you're not going to get those medicines. Um, and, of course, the government does have medicine, certain medicines, stored in various hidden locations uh, around the country. I don't think they're hidden, but I don't know where they are. Yeah. Do you have any idea where they no, are? No, I have no clue. You know, there's supposed to be enough for every community and... There's supposed to be enough uh, so that they could be transported to any part of the United States within, like, a day. Um, but, of course, that assumes that the communication is intact. Yeah, so, and transportation. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I, I am not really saying anything is going to happen, but um, 
there are certainly people who believe all sorts of things may happen. And uh, if you're not prepared, you could be in trouble. Of course, if you're healthy, like, say, my own kids. You have kids. We were talking a minute. I have kids. They're teenagers. They're not going to think about any of this, and they're healthy anyway. Um, but what if you do have a child with asthma, or what if your mother is diabetic, or uh, you could just pose all sorts of scenarios. Uh, here, here's one people are really it's surprising how many people are concerned about this, but say thyroid disease. What if you need thyroid medication and you cannot get, can't get Synthroid? Yeah, that would be a limitation. Now, you know, I go into the drugstores and I see all these medicines on the shelves. Can they, do they fill much of a role? I think they're great. Um, as a dermatologist, you probably don't use them all that much, but so many of them are uh, great medicines that used to be prescription, and some of them have more diverse uh, roles than you might think of. One, one of my favorite ones you can get over the counter is meclizine, which is exactly the same medicine that we sell as, I mean, that pharmacies have as antivert. So that's a medicine that's used for dizziness or vertigo a lot, but it's also really good for nausea and vomiting. And it's also could be used as a anxiety sort of medicine if if you needed it. You can't buy Valium over the counter, but um, meclizine and uh, generic Benadryl, those are cheap. And yeah, we use a lot of, and it prescribe a lot of antihistamines. And, you know, one of the disadvantages of Benadryl is it makes you sleepy. And the non-sedating antihistamines, which were all prescription drugs not that long ago, they're available over the counter, too. Right. The uh, Zyrtec especially is nice because it, it lasts all day and it's mostly not sedating. Mm-hmm. And uh, the loratadine, the generic Claritin. Right, and you can use them for hives as well. I guess you do that. Oh, yeah. You you underestimate the amount of uh, that over-the-counter <laughs> stuff that's for dermatologic condition. You oh, think about all oh, the foot products. You're using a lot of it. You know, the over-the-counter generic terbinafine cream, I think, is as potent as anything as I have right. uh, for topical antifungal treatment. Oh, yeah, we should talk about the creams for a while. Uh, well, they haven't gone so far as to put these strong steroid creams over the counter, which I don't think is going to happen. That would really take you out of business, wouldn't it? Yes. That, well, <laughs> it would change our business, I think. Uh, well, um, we'd have all, we'd be treating all the side effects of that stuff. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and people well, are, don't really understand, and that and that is one thing that's so important about the whole question is just because the medicines are there doesn't mean you really understand how to use them quite effectively and also what the side effects are. Because you can kill yourself with many over-the-counter medicines and kill yourself with aspirin. Most people know that can cause bleeding, but so could um, Aleve or Advil. Uh, I have my Aleve here next to me, too. Uh, You you get to be my age and you can't (laughs) get by without for the joints. So, you know, I assume that you have a section in your book that will tell people specifically what to put in the medicine kit in their in their safe room of their home, huh? Yes, and if we'd had a more time before the interview, I would have sent you a copy. But um, in the in the back of that book, I have medical kits written out in three ways: one for the general family, one for someone, well, one for an individual, one for a larger family, and one for a community. Because if something really did go bad, 
you'd want to be helping people besides just your own family. And certain people, like, say, doctors at least, um, I would say doctors aren't very prepared for much of anything. I don't know what you have at your office, but most offices don't have more than a week's worth of something, and that's just for their own patients. Um, Anyway, so I have in there a community medical kit, I would call it, um, so that you would have certain things available in certain amounts. Another good idea I've gotten from other, uh, these people call themselves preppers, but from other preppers is um, getting some uh, supplies and equipment on hand that you might not even know how to use personally, but maybe you have a nurse or a doctor in your neighborhood who would know how to use it. Um, and like say IV fluids, you can actually get IV fluids online without a prescription. And most people don't know how to use an IV, but maybe your neighbor might just not, not that I'm telling anybody to do their own IVs at home, mm-hmm. but this is, this is just in a really bad case sure. scenario. Now, if, um, you know, if someone who fears Armageddon is coming or who is a community leader or who just wants to be a little bit better prepared, where do they find your book? Uh, just look up Armageddon Medicine and you'll find it. It's only really available through my website. Perfect. Dr. Kelker, thank you so much for joining me on the program again. Thank you, Steve. Well, I don't think either Dr. Kelker or I are trying to tell you that you can take care of everything yourself. You should be seeing a good doctor, one that you trust. But if you want to be more prepared, Dr. Kelker's book seems to be a very good place to start. We'll give you a link to that book on the Getting Better Healthcare website. We'll also have Dr. Kelker back on an upcoming show when she'll speak to us more about ways that people can save money on healthcare. But that's our program for today. I hope you've enjoyed it and will join us again next week. Getting Better Healthcare has been brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's drscore.com, drscore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.